0: on Local Now Channel 525. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace
1: and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we are in a series all about the abundant life. Pastor Sean says many of our financial woes come from our attachment to things. We want to own and possess, but does it make us happy? What if there was a simpler, more effective way to happiness? The message today is called Breaking Free. Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew chapter 6. Also put a marker in Psalms 24. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
0: As Mike told you, we're in this series, Abundant Life and How to Pay For It. And and what we saw, we began the whole series talking about God's desire to bless us. That is a biblical root principle. It's all throughout the scripture. That's what he wants to do. And we saw that one of the things that stands in the way is this issue of finances. We handle it all the time, right? Stop and think for just a minute how many times you had to deal with money this week. Probably before you already got in this room this morning. If you went to the cafe, you had to deal with money. If you stopped and got gas, if you had to write a check to someone, or you had to pay for a registration, whatever it is, we're handling money all the time. We're pulling out the debit card, the credit card, the checkbook, the cash. And so this is one of those things we have to talk about, because I think for a lot of people, money is something that actually drags them down. It is something that, that they don't necessarily see as a source of blessing. Yes, they want more of it, and they think that would be a blessing, but... Ironically, sometimes when we get more of it, it turns out not to be a blessing because we don't understand how God designed for us to interact with resources and money. We started this whole thing by saying this, understanding God's heart for your finances begins by understanding God's heart for you. He loves you. You're his child and he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you abundantly. Finances don't always feel that way. In fact, Jim Lauer in his book, The Power of Full Engagement, said this Researchers have found almost no connection or correlation between income levels and happiness. Between 1957 and 1990, income levels in the US doubled. Yet at the same period, people's level of happiness did not increase. In fact, reports of depression actually increased tenfold. Incidences of divorce, suicide, alcoholism, and drug abuse also rose dramatically. So money doesn't make you happy. Now, interestingly enough, a lack of it can increase negative emotions. It can. And certain studies have shown that, that when you don't have enough resources, obviously certain negative emotions will increase. But that doesn't necessarily correlate to greater joy, greater happiness, greater fulfillment. And what's funny is even those negative emotions, when you get to a certain point where you have enough kind of basic middle-of-the-road, middle-class income, then even there you, you don't see as, as incomes increase even the negative emotions dropping off. It's just an interesting dynamic because most of us think, wait a minute, no, no, if I had more, then I'd be happier. Um, We got richer in the last 50 years, and we're not any happier. In fact, statistically, we're less joyful and happy. That's not abundant life. Last week, we talked about radical freedom, and that phrase is intentional. If you pick up God's desire for finances, you start to walk that way, I want to suggest the freedom that you find will be amazing, it'll be beautiful, but it will be radical. It is not normal. You will be making decisions that other people don't make. You will be doing things in ways that are contrary to what other people think is normal. It is radical freedom. We saw the biggest financial decision you'll ever make is not deciding what to do, but deciding who to trust. Remember we looked at Jesus' incredible story and his incredible teaching out of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. We saw that he wants us to be absolutely radically free, but that involves moving from fear to faith. It involves learning to trust Father as our provider. And we saw that God is our provider. That's the idea. God is our provider. Now today I want us to get a little more particular and talk about how. Talk about how because listen to me. I want you to hear this. This is no minor procedure. Okay, This is major heart surgery. This really is. Because of the role that resources and finances play, this is major heart surgery. And God has been talking to me about the problem of Attachment. In fact, there's a book that I read, and I've read it for many years, every single year. It's called, it's A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God. I love Tozer. He's one of my favorite writers. And often around the holidays, I will pull this book out and just read it again because it is such a, what's the phrase they use sometimes? A soul punch. Just a great reminder of, hey, what's first? And what of all these other things are not the most important things? And so his second chapter is called The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. Let me read you a few excerpts from The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. This is what Tozer said. He said, Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of the creation, these are simply called things. They were made for man's uses, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to him. In the deep heart of man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts for God is crowned there no longer but there is in the moral but there in the moral dusk stubborn and aggressive usurper's fight among themselves for first place on the throne He goes on a little bit later and says the root of our hearts have grown down into things and we dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die Things have become necessary to us a development never originally intended God's gifts now take the place of God and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. He goes on and he gives an example. He talks about Abraham who was a righteous man who God blessed abundantly. But he said there was one problem. He said there was an idol, at least this is Tozer's idea, that was subtly taking up occupancy in Abraham's heart and it was his son Isaac. Remember Genesis 22 where God takes Abraham and he tells him to sacrifice Offer up his son Isaac. Tozer suggests that God is removing Isaac from that dangerous place of an idol, a possession. He does a beautiful job of going through and imagining the agony, imagining what, what Abraham had to go through, and how that moment when he's about to actually obey the Lord, and God sends an angel and stops him Abraham, don't, don't touch your son. He says, Now I know that you fear me. And, and what's interesting is Abraham knew as well. And something had happened in Abraham's heart that day. And it was safe saying, Isaac was not an idol. Tozer goes on and says this. He says, I've said that Abraham possessed nothing, yet was not this poor man rich? He's talking about The scripture talks a lot about how God blessed Abraham. Was not this poor man rich? Everything he'd owned before was still his to enjoy. Sheep, cattle, herds, goods of every sort. He had also his wife and his friends. And best of all, he had his son Isaac safe by his side. He had everything, but he possessed nothing. There's the spiritual secret. There's the sweet theology, of the heart, which can be learned only in the school of renunciation. And then he, towards the end of the chapter, starts to wrap up by saying this, and this is what I want you to hear and listen carefully. Let us never forget that such a truth as this cannot be learned by rote as one would learn the facts of physical science. They must be experienced before we can really know them. We must, in our hearts, live through Abraham's harsh and bitter experiences if we would know the blessedness which follows them. The ancient curse will not go out painlessly. The tough old miser within us will not lie down and die obedient to our command. And listen to how he describes this. I've never forgotten this. And neither will you. He says, He must be torn out of our heart like a plant from the soil. He must be extracted in agony and blood like a tooth from the jaw. How's that for language? He must be expelled from our soul by violence as Christ expelled the money changers from the temple. And we shall need to steel ourselves against his piteous begging and to recognize it as springing out of self-pity, one of the most reprehensible sins of the human heart. See, I think that paints such a beautiful picture of the serious heart surgery that has to happen if we're going to be radically free. It is so much a part of our culture, so much a part of who we are, so much a partner with the self-centered sin nature that this is not an easy teaching. It's not an easy path, but it is one worth walking, because on the other side is something absolutely amazing, and it's radical freedom. I want to talk just briefly about the problem with ownership, and that's attachment and ownership kind of go together. How many of you guys have ever been to an all-inclusive resort? You ever been to an all-inclusive resort? Come on, raise your hands up. I want, I want to see. Oh, yeah. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I mean, really, they're just the best. If you're the type of person, the, the, you know, and there's lots of different places you can go on vacation. The problem is you're always worried about money. I mean, at least I am. I'm trying to pinch pennies. You know, you're already there. You, you, go to, you go to different places and you're there. You got your room. But then everything costs money. Dinner costs money. Going out costs money. Every activity costs money. All-inclusive resorts take care of all that for you. It's like cruises do the same thing. It's like, you pay one fee, and it might not be cheap, but whatever, you save up, you pay your fee, and then you're there, and you might as well just lock your wallet in the safe in the room. And you just go and enjoy it. It's amazing. Do you want to go parasailing today? Sure, let's go. You know, I mean, it's, hey, hey, you guys want to, let's go ride mopeds. They got those funny little hats. Let's go. Yeah, it'd be fun awesome. I mean, whatever you want to do, you're sitting by the pool, you know, mas mojito, por favor. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's all free. And you're just, it, it is truly awesome because there's no burden. You're not sitting here worried about kind of anything. You're just, ah, and you are free to enjoy it. Well, imagine you're at an all-inclusive resort, and all of a sudden, you're on your way over to shuffleboard or whatever it is you do, okay? And, and all of a sudden, this very exhausted-looking couple drives up in a golf cart. And they kind of get out and go, oh God, we're done, we're done, we're done, we're done. They hand you a piece of paper, and they go, this is the deed to the place, and they hand you the keys, here are the keys, you own it, it's all yours, we can't take it anymore, we're out. And they jump in the golf cart, and they peel out, as much as golf cart can peel out, laughing maniacally. (laughs) And they're gone. And And you're like, what the heck just happened? And you just realize, you look, this is a legal deed, it's the deed of this resort that you're at. You own it. And it's just one of those things that you're like, oh my gosh. And somewhere in a place that you rarely visit and you don't even know kind of what it really means, a number goes up on a balance sheet. At least unless the the place is upside down in debt. okay. But, you know, assuming all is up there, uh, somewhere in your balance sheet of life, your financial portfolio, that a number goes up on your balance sheet. And you're like, wow, we're the owners. It's awesome. And you start walking around, I own this. And all of a sudden, the help start coming up to you. Yeah, that guy who, that air conditioner compressor in the, in the stadium, yeah, it needs to be fixed. And that's going to be $6,000. How would you want to pay for that? And then someone else comes, oh, we got a customer who got hurt. And they've got a lawyer. And oh, my gosh. going. And all of a sudden, all these things. And the different staff are coming to you. We ran out of this. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, this place was way more fun before I owned it cool and all to own it, but it's like, oh my gosh, now it's this burden. And I want to suggest that that's a kind of neat picture, the idea that, man, the all-inclusive resort is a lot more fun when you don't own it. What if there was a way to enjoy good things that God created, to enjoy them without the stress or fear associated with acquiring, possessing, or keeping them without the burden? I want to suggest the inappropriate burden of ownership.
1: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean O'Zaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Breaking Free, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Abundant Life. Where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now back to the message breaking free. This is Radio for Real Life. I think there's some
0: truths about ownership that we need to grab onto Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Now, we understand as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers in God who is eternally existing, we understand that this is empirically true. He's the creator. We know he created everything and he gave it to us to enjoy and use. We know that we sold ourselves into, uh, into slavery through sin. And Jesus Christ, on the cross, bought us back. So in other words, we actually belong to him twice. He created us, and then we sold ourselves into slavery of sin. He redeemed us and bought us back. So this is just true. It's all his. Everything we have is his. It's all his. It's his right as creator. I want to suggest this idea of ownership is a bit of an illusion. If we stop and think about it, it's all really an 80-year, maybe, if you're really healthy, a 90-year loan. That's it. Look what Job said. You remember when he was losing everything around him, the things? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's just true, right? We know this. There is a certain degree to which ownership is an illusion. If we believe we are truly spiritual, if we believe there's something unique, there's more to this life than just what we have here. Or if we don't believe it, it doesn't matter. We know we came in with nothing and we leave with nothing. It is a 70, 80, maybe 90-year loan. And so that's the problem with ownership. It puts us in a place that we can't ever realistically keep. Someday our stuff is going to someone else and we can't control that stewardship on the other hand as contrasted is i think an alignment with reality when we begin to understand ourselves as stewards of something else i am stewarding something that doesn't ultimately belong to me and will one day go to another steward and it it saves us from this problem of hanging on and that's where attachment is the problem and we start hanging on to things i mean have you ever hung on to something and recognizing I, I probably am not being helpful there. Any control freaks in the room, honest people, control freaks. There's actually someone back there with two hands, holding up a friend's hand for them. Three-handed control freak back there. Leave your friend alone, quit controlling them. A, a lot of honest people in the room, and I appreciate that. I think there's something in all of us that, that can kind of want to control and hang on. And I have to tell you, um, there's nothing that is exempt. You know the story. We started this ministry, started in our home with a group of people, and and so it was. It's something that, in many ways, has been our baby, and there's I care a lot about it. And as it grew, I have to tell you, I cared a lot about how things went. And there are sometimes when people go, "Why do you care about that? You're over caring," you know. And it's like, "No, no, 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 no. That font isn't right. That font isn't right for that on the sign, or no, 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 no. That thing isn't right." You know, there's a little bit of an artist in me that just gets real obsessive on certain things, you know. And even with, with, with people in leadership, no, 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 that's not how you want to do that. That's not how we treat people. No, 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 that's not how we want to say that. That's not, and, and there's just this thing that says, no, this is my baby, and I want it to be right. I want it to be perfect. It's my child. You ever had something like that? Well, the Lord started walking me through a process a few years back where I had to understand the reality that, that one. And, and by the way, if you were to ask me, whose is this? Oh, it's God's. Of course. Hallelujah. We had a little tape that would have played a, a beautiful hymn while I said it. <laughs> it's all the Lord. It's all the Lord's. But yet I felt like I had to take care of it. I had to hang on. I had to make sure everything was right. And the Lord started dealing with the, the fact that you, you know someday someone else is going to lead this, right? You know that that's just true, right? I said, well, yeah, of course. Stop and think about what you just said. Yes, someone else is going to lead. And he started helping me envision well, what's that transition going to look like someday? And I don't know when that'll happen. You know, none of us knows, right? That's the nature of life. We don't know if this is going to be, you know, 20 years from now with a wonderful retirement ceremony and go right off into the sunset. We don't know if, man, tomorrow you get hit by a bus. I don't know why it's always a bus, but it just seems more horrible when it's a bus, I guess. You know, if I don't want to get hit by a smart car, that would just sting. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, what was that? that, Dang. So no, it's a bus. (laughs) Wow, that wasn't helpful, I don't think, to the whole message. But you know, we don't know. We have no guarantees, right? We know empirically someone else is going to lead this one day. And the Lord started working on my heart and going, what if you started thinking about that and preparing people and started recognizing that living like that right now? Because it's true. And so I started trying to say, okay, how can I let other people really lead and just prep to set them up to win and make that my role and, and plan for the day when, because it's going to happen whether I like it or not, might as well have it be a huge win. And do you know something? Uh, uh, again, I was doing it because it was right. I started changing my heart because it was right because God was dealing with me. All of a sudden, um, ministry got fun again, honestly, because it was becoming burdensome. You know, when you're walking around going, I'm the only one who can really do it, you know, that's, that's not fun. That's not fun at all. But the minute you start letting go and start realizing, oh, wait a minute, God's bigger, it's His, He was here before, He's gonna be here after, I'm just here for a time. It's like, oh, wow, okay. I, I didn't anticipate the, the fun being brought back into it, and it did. I mean, you have stuff, we all have stuff, right? We have our homes. I have told you about your home, you know, someone was on that property before, someone will be on that property after you're gone, it's just true, you know, we're experiencing that, you know, we sold our home that we had loved, I told you, my in-laws gave us a piece of property and we're building a home in it, we've never done it, it's a lot of fun, but we loved our last place and it was something we really had to pray about and say, Lord, do you want us to do this, is is this your provision, is this your thing, and we prayed about it and felt like it was, and it was, I was like, oh, I don't know. And it's amazing. Once we did it, it was like, oh, it was just a place. A great family bought it that we're really excited about them. Hope they enjoy it just like we did. But it's land, okay? The thought that I'm going to possess it forever is just not realistic. And it's interesting because even as I think about the house we're building, and I can totally envision that one day we might sell it. I don't know what God has for us. See, there's nothing wrong with having it. It's this idea of healthy detachment. That's what he's talking to me about. This idea of detachment, and and I've begun to see detachment as a gift. I'm not talking about irresponsibility. I'm saying removing the emotional attachment from our stuff, the things that we've been called the steward. Extracting things from my heart while allowing them to remain in my hand. That, I think, is the gift. So the question is, if that's what it is, how do we get to this place of radical freedom? How do we do that? How do we get there? And I want to suggest, as I asked that question, the Lord brought me back to the scripture we looked at last week from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said it this way, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then this phrase, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, if finances are kind of the symptom that we see that reveals the heart problem, I want to suggest you finances may very well be the answer. And that's what Jesus is giving us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This idea that we can, with our resources, direct our heart. And I want to challenge you this morning. I believe God has given us a way to do this on a regular basis. I believe we are supposed to direct our heart and align our heart back with worship, align our heart back with stewardship through this thing that God gave us called the tithe. The tithe. I believe that it is a gift of God and it is more about our hearts, more about us being in a healthy place, in, in a complete place in the context of alignment with the kingdom of God, than it is even about God somehow kind of needing us to give him part of our money. Okay, I don't somehow think God is broke and kind of looking for you and I to help him out, get him out of a jam, you know, and he'll get, get it back to us next month. I think there is something that this radical freedom is something that requires something ongoing, something serious, something surgical in the context of our heart. And I believe the tithe is this gift. Now, let's take a look and see. You're going to notice, you're going to say, every time you talk about the tithe, you quickly go through these same scriptures because there's so much bad teaching on this. There's so much bad teaching, and I want to clear it up, and I want to keep hammering home to you. This is a gift of God, and it is consistent throughout the scriptures. I believe this is one of those root principles of financial freedom, of being radically free. It's Genesis 14 20 it says God and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is Melchizedek the priest mysterious Old Testament priest who he, the writer of Hebrews kind of gives this picture of it's a priest after the order of the son of God himself. But this idea of he gave him a tenth of everything. You have to understand, this is Abraham. This is before the law. It's before Moses. Some people say, well, the tithe is law. Wrong. Abraham was before the law. Do you understand this is something that was even before Abraham? You remember when Cain and Abel, the whole problem with Cain and Abel, what were they doing? They were bringing their gifts to who? To the Lord. Their agricultural produce, their income, they're bringing a piece of their income to the Lord from the very beginning. You know, we, we're not told. The, the, the book of Genesis doesn't give us the story of, well, how did they know to do it? Why, why were they doing it? We just know somehow God told them, this is something that you're to do. So we read the scriptures. All God's, 100%, all belongs to God. But somehow we're supposed to bring something.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Breaking Free or this whole series called The Abundant Life. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more... Real life.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life. Real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9 30 and 11 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.